If you have your Bibles with you today, I would invite you to turn to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the kids are dismissed for Children's Church at this time while they are uh, walking out of the building. I just, I don't do this enough, but I want to give a public shout out to our worship team. Uh, They're just doing an awesome, awesome job, and uh, the thing that's cool about it to me, I think there was only two people on stage this morning that's ever gotten a letter from AARP. And uh, I love the youth movement. I love how young uh, we are and how good we are, and, and it's, just, uh, it's just really, really cool. So kudos, guys. I'm not going to point out which two uh, that was. You probably know. I recently heard a preacher speaking of his efforts to counsel a man who was having marital trouble, and he said to the man, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. And the man replied, but I don't love her anymore. The preacher said, then love her as your sister in the Lord. And he replied by saying, I don't think she's saved. There's no way she can be. And he said, then love her as your neighbor. And he replied that he didn't have any intention of being her neighbor. He was going to move as far away from her as possible. And the preacher finally said, then love her as your enemy. There are no loopholes in love. Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't matter what the situation is. There are absolutely no loopholes. There's no way around it. We are called to love. Whether we want to love or not, the Bible says we have to, right? And the way I understand it is this love is to be unfailing. It's a no-strings-attached kind of love. It is unconditional. But the question is, what is love? Because we use love to describe so many things in our world uh, today. It's a very important question for us to answer, what is love? Because we use it to describe so many things. And the Bible says, without love, we are nothing. So we'd better probably figure out what love is so that we can have it. We don't want to be without it. We don't want to be nothing. One man called love a contaminated word, and here's what I think he meant by that. We use the word to refer to affection and compassion. We use the word to refer to devotion and emotion. We say we love God. We say we love our spouse. We love our kids. We love basketball. It's like we use this word so much to describe so many different things that it's kind of lost its It's luster a little bit. It's been cheapened a little bit down through the years. In the last encounter that Jesus had with his disciples on the final night of his life, right before he went to the cross, in John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We will be known, Jesus said, not by our power, Not by our wealth, not by our attractiveness, not by our success, not by how religious we are, not by our morality, but Jesus said we're going to be known by our love. Jesus didn't say that the world would know that we are his disciples by our building expansions. He didn't say that they would know that we are his disciples by our youth programs or our worship services or our church attendance. He said that the world will know that we're followers of his because of our love for one another. This is how the world's going to know. And so in this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, 
we see this unfailing kind of love that the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's, he's writing to the, the, the church at Corinth. This is his first letter, chapter 13. And he basically spells out this unfailing kind of love that we are to have for one another. And that is the, the title of this new series that I'm excited to, to start with, with you guys today. It's an unfailing kind of love. And this is what he says unfailing love is like. He says, if, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think it's important. I want to stop right there for a moment. I didn't plan to talk about this, but, but it, it, I've just called to mind uh, something that I remember reading a couple of weeks ago about this passage of Scripture. He's, Paul knew exactly what he was doing there. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's my understanding that back in those days, the pagan rituals, the pagan temples that people would go to, they started their religious activity with a gong, with a clanging cymbal, right? And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, if you're no different, if you're doing all of these things, but you don't have any love, you're no different than that gong that the pagan cymbal or that the pagan temple is playing right now. And so he says, if, if I could do all of these things, but without, if I don't love others, then I'm, I'm just like that. I'm that, I'm that clanging cymbal. I'm that gong. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then he goes on to say, this is, this is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge, Paul says, will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. And when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but when we will see everything with perfect uh, clarity, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. And then he closes this portion by saying three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so we read this passage of scripture and, and we hear it at weddings all the time and Valentine's Day rolls around and st stuff we like to post on social media and tell everybody just how loving, you know, we are and, and what we think of other people. But, but there's three things that we really just need to hone in on on this passage of scripture that we need to know it, we need to exercise these things in our lives. And here's the first one, unfailing love, the kind of love that the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage of scripture, it's absolutely essential. It's really not optional. It's not something to say, you know what, if you, if you feel like it, you might want to think about doing this. It's absolutely essential. Those early Christians at Corinth, 
it, in that day and age, in their mindset, everything that they thought of, their life, uh, all, everything centered around five essentials in life. And Paul refers to these in the first few verses. Uh, speech, you know, I could speak like this and, and, you know, everybody could think I'm this wonderful speaker. Or prophecy or miracle working or charity or even giving your life for a cause, martyrdom. Paul told the Corinthians, you could have all five of these qualities, but if they didn't have love, then they have absolutely nothing. You can add all all of these things together, but if you don't have love, it equals zero. Emotionalism, intellectualism, activism, humanitarianism, asceticism, that's basically the belief of self-denial. You can deny yourself and, and just give everybody else everything, but if you're doing it without love, if you're just doing it to say, hey, look at what I'm doing, it means absolutely nothing. And we can understand Paul's message today probably a little bit more clearly if we consider the five pursuits that we think about in our life today. Those things that we think are essential in our life today if we want to get ahead or if we want to be happy, if we want to be considered successful, right? What are those things that are most prevalent in our country? In the good old United States of America, what are we striving for? I think most of us could agree that the big five are money, Right? Everybody likes that. Pleasure, health, education, and power. I think those are probably the big five. I'm not saying everybody has those in their top five. I'm just saying that in our society, in America, those are the big five. If we're playing America Says, I think John Michael Higgins would say, these are up there. Nobody watches that? Just me? Okay, okay. I just, all right, I just want to make sure you're with me on this, all right? We feel that if we can have any of these elements, or if we can have any combination of these elements, elements. We feel that we are successful. We feel that life is good. But Paul's conclusion is very, very clear on this. Even if we have all the money in the world, even if our nights are filled with pleasure, even if our health is absolutely excellent, even if we have more degrees than a thermometer from the most prestigious universities, even if we have men or power over men and power over machines, if we don't have love, we are absolutely nothing. Love's essential, guys. It's essential for life. Oh, it, it, it's just so hard to, to live without it. This is taught throughout the whole Bible. It's, it, and, and, and it's not just a biblical message. It's what the world has found out, is too. Even secular psychologists and, and philosophers, they're, they're beginning to proclaim what the Bible has been saying for, for a couple thousand years, right? Ashley Montague emphasizes, she, uh, he's a, a secular philosopher, uh, and, and he says, the awesome power of human love is what is necessary in straightening out our interpersonal relationships. O. Hobart Mower, one of the leading psychologists of his day back in the 50s, says, our inability to love and be loved is at the root of most of our emotional problems. Carl Menninger, the doctor uh, from, from several uh, decades ago, says that love is the essential element in healthy living. Right? He says, love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. And I'm not talking about the kind of love that we necessarily have for someone that we're enamored with. We're talking about that unfailing, unconditional, agape kind of love that says, listen, I'll go the extra mile for you, not so I can look good, but because it's who I am in Jesus Christ. And all of these secular philosophers and psychologists, they're testifying to the same thing that the Word of God has been saying. Love is essential. 
It's essential for you to give it. It's essential for you to receive it. It's essential not only for life, but it is essential for the church as well. Thomas Aquinas, great Catholic scholar of the medieval period, he once uh, was talking with Pope Innocent II. And uh, while he was talking to him, the Pope was busy counting a large sum of money. I didn't know that the Pope counted money, but as the story goes, the Pope's counting money, right? He's counting this large sum of money. And uh, the Pope apparently says to Thomas Aquinas, you see, and he's referring to Acts chapter 3 verse 6, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. Smart Pope, right? Being kind of smart alecky a little bit really. But Thomas Aquinas answered saying, that is true, Father. But neither can the church now say, arise and walk. The church has lost so much of its spiritual power because it's been too focused on going after the wrong things. A a lot of churches, and, 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 you know, it's heartbreaking to think that, that their motive for for having church could be anything other than saving lost people and building them up to be disciples. But a lot of churches have gone after things that have absolutely nothing to do with the love of Jesus Christ. You know, and, and, and they get focused on making sure that they've got money and, and making sure that they have a, a good name in the community and, and, and having this prestige and having these great programs and have talented leaders. And, and uh, these things sometimes have nothing to do with drawing sinners to Christ and growing them up in the Lord. Now, these might be some of the tools that God uses, right? But the essential element for a church being the church is unfailing love. The essential tool that is needed for the church to be the church that God would be proud of is unfailing love. I don't care what we do in this place. If we take love out of the equation, we're an absolute failure. Zero. Take away love and and everything that we're doing here is, is meaningless. Take away love and any eloquent words that anybody may speak or any beautiful music that anybody might ever make or even a meal that is served to someone Without love, it's, you take away love, we have nothing. Unfailing love, Paul said, it's absolutely essential. Now, the second thing that he taught us in our text is this. Uh, unfailing love is extensive, okay? I didn't say expensive, although it can be. Uh, it's, it's extensive. Love is extensive. And what I mean by this is that there's more than one component to it. It's more than just, okay, hey, I love you, so on and so forth. In our text today, we, we find out that love is both passive and active. It has a couple different elements to it. The passive dimension of love is found in the first phrase of verse 4. Love is patient. Patient means long-suffering. How many of you are really just good at being patient? One of you, two. Okay, great. And I'm starting to see maybe part of the problem uh, that we have here. There, there, actually, it's not a gift that most of us have, right? Love is patient. It means it's long-suffering. It carries with it the idea that, that we have to be persistent and we can't waver 
And we have to just sit back and realize that the world doesn't really revolve around us all the time. And we have to be patient with people. Paul stated this truth uh, with the phrase in, in verse 8, and it's our theme basically for the whole series, love lasts forever. Some translations say love never fails. And, and the Greek word translated for fails has several different ideas with it, right? It could mean that love never falls to the ground Kind of like a petal from a flower after it dies and falls to the ground and starts to decay. Love never decays. It never loses its strength. It never loses its life. It's kind of like even though it's a, a traveler is weary from the journey, he just keeps going. He just doesn't stop, right? And it could mean that love never leaves its place of responsibility, Kind of like a sentinel who never gets distracted from his post, who's standing guard all the time, never giving up. He's patient. And in any of these meanings, it's all the same. Love, real love, is unfailing. It endures to the end. There's nothing out there that can ever make it waver. And this is how Paul illustrates the idea in verses 4 through 6 of our text today. When Paul says love does not envy, he's telling us that the achievements of other people cannot make love waver. When Paul says it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, he's telling us that our own achievements cannot make love waver. In other words, we can't get jealous over what somebody else is doing and it causes us to think less of them and stop loving them. And we can't get so full of ourselves because of what we're doing that we stop loving someone who's less than us. Nothing can make love waver, not the achievements of, of others or our own achievements or injuries caused by others. We're not even off the hook when somebody wrongs us. Huh? The failures of other people. We're not off the hook when someone that we say we love and they fail and then for some reason we just shut them out of our lives. The Bible says we're not off off the hook in loving them. Now, I understand that sometimes you have to distance yourself from certain people that are toxic and really affect the way that you, you live. And that, that, you know, sometimes that needs to happen for your own sanity. But the Bible says you still, you still continue to love them and you do your best to forgive them. Love patiently endures everything. And it keeps right on loving, right? Now, that's the, the passive dimension of love. It, there's also an active dimension, and we see this idea in the second phrase of verse 4. Love is kind. So love is patient, and love is kind. Another translation puts it like this. Love looks for a way of being constructive, right? I heard about a guy who was talking to his wife one night. He said, honey, I never, I never want to be uh, alive. I never want to be left alive in a vegetative state. He said, I don't want to be dependent upon a machine. If I ever get in the shape where I'm dependent upon a machine, I want you to pull the plug. And so the lady got up and went over to the TV and unplugged it from <laughs> the wall. Spencer, no reaction. I just saw a smile, not an upper. Yeah, that was that was all right. Okay, so he liked that. All right. See, the, the essence of love is not just some passive endurance, but it's also this active assistance, right? 
Love is not just something that we talk about. It's not just something that we feel. It's something that we do. It's not just something that we experience within, but it's also something that we express without. Love is always looking for a way to be constructive. Real love sees those who are spiritually defeated and lifts them up to see the love of Jesus. It sees those who are hungry and gives them food. It sees those who are in prison and reaches out to them with a visit. It sees those who are naked and gives them clothes. It sees those who are sick and touches them with a healing hand. It sees those who are homeless and gives them shelter. It sees those who are lonely and reaches out in kindness. Real love acts. Real love does something. My dad used to say this. He used to accuse me of being lazy every once in a while. I know that's hard to believe. But he used to accuse me of being lazy. And he'd say, Ronnie, do something even if it is wrong. <clears throat> I, I kind of feel that way with love sometimes. You know, we, we, we sit back and we say, well, I don't really know what to do. Well, if, you, if you're doing it in love and if it's in genuine love, give it a shot. I got a feeling it's not going to be wrong. No matter what it is, if it's in the name of Jesus and with the love of Christ, it's going to be okay. And this kind of love patiently endures all of life's struggles and pressures, and it persistently assists in all of life's need. Dave Stone, who preached at Southeast for several years, he was alongside Bob Russell for many years, and then Kyle Eidelman, he since has retired from there, but... Dave Stone says that service is the language of love and grace. He said one day a couple of church members were out distributing loaves of bread in a low-income housing complex. They came to an apartment where they heard arguing through the door, but they decided to knock on the door anyway. A man opened the door said, what do you guys want? One of the visitors said, we don't want anything. We just wondered if you know anyone that could use some loaves of homemade bread. Why are you doing that, the man asked. The reply was just to let people know that God loves them. What did you just say, the man asked rather anxiously. We're just out giving loaves of bread to people just to let them know that God loves them. And the man stared and said, I can't believe this. Just a few days ago, we buried our three-week-old three son. And now here you are at the door, offering the love of God. And, and, and the visitors offered to pray with this couple, and the couple accepted their offer. And as they were leaving and the door was being closed, the visitors from the church heard the husband say to the wife, See, honey, I told you God cares. We thought he wasn't paying attention to us. But he sent those people here to make sure that we knew. Too often we make excuses for why we can't serve. And I don't have time. I don't have the ability. I don't have the resources we, we, we become Moses very quickly and come up with all these excuses why God can't use us like he wants to. Let me ask you a question. 
Can you bake a cake? Can you cook some food? Can you cut some grass or shovel some snow or rake some leaves? Can you call someone or shoot them a text or send them a card just with an encouraging word? Can you do handiwork around someone's house who can't afford to pay to have somebody to do it? Can you donate something? Maybe a value to someone that could never be able to have it without a donation? Can you just stop along your way, give someone a smile, take an interest in someone's life? This is what I think the Apostle Paul means by showing love to the world. A world that desperately needs to know the love of Jesus because all they've been fed most of their lives is the love of Hollywood. The love of the world. And they need to see the love of Jesus. They need to know what it is. Now here's the third basic truth about Christian love very quickly. Unfailing Christian love is eternal. You know that love is the only thing in life that's going to last forever. Well, the Apostle Paul said faith, hope, and love. But, I mean, I'm not arguing with the Apostle Paul. He kind of knows what he's talking about. But there's going to come a day when we don't need faith anymore, right? When we're standing before God and we're, we're in heaven with him, we don't need faith. And, and we're standing before God and we're in heaven. We don't need hope anymore. Those things will eventually, we won't need them. But we will always have love. It is eternal. It's the only thing in this life that's going to last for all of eternity. And if we put our hope in prophecies and, and, and uh, you know, uh, I think we're making a huge mistake. That's what Paul's saying. We put our hope in what's going to come or whatever and in these things that people are saying are going to happen. Prophecies will fail. They're going to cease. The Bible talks about that. If we put our hope in tongues, we're making a mistake because tongues are going to cease. If we put our hope in knowledge, we're making a mistake because the knowledge of man someday is going to fade away. I want to translate these statements in our day and age. This is something that I think Paul was talking about to the church in that particular day. I think if he were to speak to us today, it might be more something like this. If we make money the foundation of life, we're making a mistake because we could make a million dollars today, but tomorrow it might be gone. If we make pleasure the foundation for life, that's a mistake because one of these days as we get old, our bodies change and, and it, it's just it's just not the same and it's going to wear out and we're eventually going to die. If we put our hope in a person, we're making a mistake because someday that person is going to be gone. But if we put our hope in love, it can never be destroyed. It can't be defeated by the forces of evil. It can't be decayed by the passing centuries. It lasts. All other things pass away. But love's forever. All the voices will cease. But the sound of an act of kindness will echo throughout all eternity. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's going to have a lasting effect. As the worship team comes, I want to close by sharing a, a poem by an unknown author. They put it this way. I counted all my dollars when God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses.
I counted my worth by the things gained in store, but he sized me up by the scars that I bore. I coveted honors and sought for degrees. He wept as he counted the hours on my knees. I never knew till one day by a grave how vain are the things that we spend life to save. I did not know till a friend went above. The richest is he who is rich in God's love. The very first thing that we learn in Sunday school, God is love. And the ultimate demonstration of God's love is Jesus Christ. Listen to how Romans 8.39 puts it. In the New Living Translation, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we are Christians, we are people who belong to Christ. Shouldn't we then be a loving people? Love is beautiful and easy in the abstract. But the Bible doesn't teach a disembodied, faceless love. Biblical love has a face. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, it's a face that a lot of us would like to avoid. But Jesus said the kind of love that we need to demonstrate to the world is the kind of love that is selfless, And it's the kind of love that's going to prove to the world that we're his followers. But you can't be a disciple. You can't be a follower until you make that decision to confess Jesus. You can believe in all of these things. You can think he's a great leader, a great teacher, a great historical figure, whatever. But if you don't confess Jesus as the Christ, and you don't make that decision to make him the Lord of your life and surrender your life to him and repent of your sins and be baptized into him. You can't really be his follower. And some of you may need to do that today. Maybe some of you have done that, but maybe you need to commit to stepping it up a little bit in the love department. Love for your family, love for your church, Love for your fellow man in this community. Maybe some of you are here today. Man, we, we've had an incredible start to 2023. Uh, we've had uh, 10 people already just in this first month become a part of our church family. Um, and that's exciting. Um, that is exciting stuff. And maybe you're here today and you want to become a part of our church family. Maybe it's through baptism. You haven't done that. Or maybe it's through just, you've already been baptized and you just want to make this your church home. I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And, and um, if you've got a need today, we encourage you to come. If you're watching online, we encourage you to, um, to reach out to us through the church connection number. Whatever your need may be, we, we encourage you to be obedient. Let's, let's pray together.